All right. Well, I'll kick things off. So, hello, everyone. Welcome to Techler Talks 4. I'm Henry. I'm Jonah. <laughs> and we're both uh, a part of Techler. And today we're going to talk about moderation online, censorship, kind of hot topics nowadays. And we're going to try to unpack things as as well as we can back here and hopefully have some important insight and hopefully have good discussions today. Yeah. So this discussion starts because um, I was suspended on Twitter. Um, and we, we laugh about it back here because it's kind of like ridiculous because like we always talk about other people being suspended on Twitter. And it finally happened to me. And it's like, I, don't, I still don't know what I did. And we put out a video, if you haven't already seen it, kind of talking about what happened there. But um, long story short, can I speak for both of us when I say our stances on social media moderation is Twitter can ban whoever they want because it's their platform and they can have their rules. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. So I still stick by that because it makes sense to me because they're a private company and it's their platform and they can control how their platform is moderated. So what's really the problem here? Because I, I disagree with what they did to me. And I think that's what people <laughs> do is like they get banned off these platforms for saying something or something bad happens and they go, oh, well, this is because they don't accept all opinions. And it's like, well, they don't have to accept all opinions. That's not what they're promising you. So what's really the problem here? Right. It's it's weird. It, it has to come down to like transparency, you know, with how these rules are applied. I think the issue is in your case, you have no idea what you've done wrong. And that's not really helpful for either party because how can you, if there was a violation of the rules in their eyes, how could you possibly know how to fix that going forward? Um, you, you, you'd have no way of knowing. Um, I mean, you just have no way of knowing what their issue is if they don't tell you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, they have me submit an appeal. And as I'm filling it out, I'm like, well, what am I appealing? Like, they told me to do an appeal of why I didn't break the Twitter rules. And it's like, well, I don't know what Twitter rule I broke. So what am I appealing? All I did was like, I'm not sure what I did wrong um, kind of appeal. Um, but for those who didn't watch the video, there's two other accounts that were suspended as well. One of them is from a, a web developer who's pretty well known in the community. In fact, lots of Twitter employees probably know this person. They were suspended. And then we also have Panquake, who's a Twitter alternative, who also got suspended. I think Panquake received an actual reason, but my suspension was exactly the same as the developers, which is their responses were like weirdly hidden for the week leading up to the suspension. There were, it was like kind of like a shadow ban of sorts. Um, no explanation, no notification. He actually reached out to Twitter support and they told him they don't shadow ban people despite yep. all his replies being hidden on his own tweets and other people's tweets, which is the same thing that happened to me. I posted like a four tweet thread and all the tweets were hidden except the top one. Mm -hmm. Bizarre. Um, so I think you're right. The transparency is what's really mind-boggling to me. Because, like, if I got banned, it's fine. Um, I still acknowledge I got banned, and I'm not expecting to get the account back, um, which is fine because Twitter's just candy points. And, like, what's it good for? Like, Twitter doesn't add any value yeah. to the world. It's just, like, I think it actually is detrimental because it tries to condense complex topics into these short little micro blogs which i don't think is overall a good thing but either way like it doesn't add that much value to the world but what do you think about the argument regarding these platforms being a public service because i know that's a big thing that's being talked about right now in politics 
of at this point these platforms are so huge and they're such a necessity nowadays that these platforms effectively are becoming a public service is there merit to that i think there's some merit to that argument um i i think it i think my personal belief is that it should kind of come down to like having set rules and following them as far as like transparency goes um like because twitter is i mean twitter is used by so many people it's used by politicians um to reach like massive audiences to like spread in some cases important messages i know like there's some emergency services that operate solely on twitter for example to like alert people of um ongoing events um so it's it's definitely used by a lot of people to reach um a huge audience and some of that is more critical than others um i think just because just because it's free and so accessible to so many people um so it's it's frustrating when when they do things that hinder that in some way um <laughs> for no for no apparent reason right Oh, yeah. So you're almost looking at it from like the Twitter perspective. I was looking at it from like the the end user perspective. I think I think like as. As an end user, you shouldn't have the expectation to go on the Internet anywhere and do whatever you want. Right. But I think that if you do something wrong, I think you should probably have the expectation to um, at least be aware of what you did wrong. True. <laughs> if that That's makes a good sense. point. And also have the expectation that there might be consequences, because I think that's that's where freedom of speech gets really misunderstood by a lot of people. You you can go out in the street and say whatever you want to anyone. Right. No one's stopping you from doing that. Right. <laughs> but if someone says something back to you, you don't like that's that's called a consequence for your action. <laughs> and in society, there's consequences for your actions. There is legitimate freedom of speech concerns that I'm not going to try to downplay, but I think a lot of people who, I mean, I, I'm going to go there, like, Alex Jones, <laughs> my dude, you got sued by someone privately, the government had nothing to do with what happened with Alex Jones, and people think it's a freedom of speech issue, and it's like, no, he said things that hurt other people, may, let's say, let's say, they may or may not have hurt other people and those people went through proper legal channels to privately hold try to hold them accountable and they won that's all that happened there i don't know how that's even the freedom of speech issue um so i think it's really bizarre when people think they can just go on any platform online do whatever they want and then not expect to see consequences especially when even we if we're having the is it a is it a public service debate they're not public mm -hmm. services in law Twitter can ban whoever they want. They can do whatever right. they want, as well as any other social media platform. And this goes into our platforms, too. Because, like, we ban people on our platforms, and they go, oh, my God, so much for caring about freedom of speech. And it's like, A, we've never claimed to necessarily be a freedom of speech community. That was right. implied on your end. When you join, there's a reason you're given rules that you have to join and accept. And also, if you violate the rules, you should expect to see consequences. So um, it goes both ways, the whole freedom of speech thing, because if you believe in freedom of speech for the individual, you should also have to believe in freedom of speech for these private entities that you are trying to be a part of that you don't have to be a part of. Mm -hmm. 
is there something there that you you disagree with agree with if anything no i i I agree with all of that for sure um (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no obligation on anyone's end to host your speech basically um and i mean if you don't like it you can you can start your own website start your own twitter Exactly. Which That's... which some people are doing, of course. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is you have things like Parler, which actually go out of their way to advertise free speech. But people get banned on Parler, too. <laughs> like, there is really no... I don't... There is not a single, like, completely unmoderated, unmoderated platform that I know of. Every platform requires some level of moderation to exist. Unless it's like completely federated or something that's completely self-hosted. By yeah, someone. I mean, you could you could host things on the Tor network, for example. Uh huh. But so I mean, pretty, the... mu- pretty much anything mainstream is going to be moderated. That's for sure. Yeah, and oh, I I love that where this is going because I, this is going to be a hot take in the privacy community. I think anonymity on the internet is actually terrible. Not from a privacy perspective, from like a human perspective. I feel like Mm -hmm. anonymity allows people to say things without consequences, do things that it's a double edged sword. Because on one hand, anonymity allows you to be maybe more of an authentic, organic self that you might not otherwise get to express in the real world. Like you're not going to say some things in person that you're going to say on the internet, which I think in itself is kind of a beautiful thing, but that's also what makes the internet generally a very toxic place because people can say and do things without as many consequences and they're all behind a keyboard. It's all digital. And so I think it really introduces this whole concept of like, well, there are genuine downsides to anonymity on the internet. And I I do like to envision an internet where like you have a central identity. This is this is not a privacy discussion at this point because I'm I, I'm completely <laughs> against this from a privacy perspective. But like, what if everyone just had a central identity on the internet? They can only have one account for everything, and everything was directly tied to you. I think the internet would be a much better place. I think there are, there could be some platforms that could work for for sure. Um, it it's definitely a double edged sword, like you said, because on the one hand, people abuse anonymity to post whatever they want online right and post hateful content that kind of type of thing but there's also people who who need to get a message out and their and their problem isn't the message that they're trying to send they might be trying to send a good message their problem is who they are and hiding that and hiding their identity behind um behind an anonymous profile is the only way that they'd be able to spread that message because they'd otherwise be attacked for who they are rather than what they're saying. So it's it's a tricky problem for sure, um, <laughs> which obviously yeah. has no clear answers. No, I agree. That's a good, that's a good, um, that's a it's, a, it's a good point, you know, because yes, this is what we talk about. Like you're a whistleblower, you got to have a, an outlet to be able to like privately get your message out there. I just like to think like, what, what would Reddit be like if everyone who left a comment on Reddit, it was them? Like you, it was their first and last name. Your friends can go and look at your Reddit account and see the stuff you say and do to people. Like, I think people would be a lot less like toxic mm-hmm. on Reddit yeah. if that was the case. I think in like a perfect world, somebody would be able to make a community where they could require that as the community manager if they wanted that. Because for for a lot of discussions, that is genuinely helpful. Um, but then, 
you'd still have the option elsewhere to host anonymous content if you if you wanted to or host like a standard reddit form um yeah for example the the issue with that isn't is it's more of how how you do that privately obviously because yeah. who's who's going to be verifying all those identities and i think that's the reason that this hasn't been actually implemented anywhere in practice yeah and it's a bummer like it's it's a place where security and privacy become the bottleneck of a really cool concept becoming a reality, which I think is actually a lot of things. You know, we, we hear about so many cool projects like on Surveillance Report that have good intentions, at least. But we're, we cover them because it's like, yes, this technology looks cool. We see this all the time. Like Apple releases a super cool feature. And we're like, yeah, this is cool. But like, mm -hmm. what are the privacy implications of this? And same with Google, like all these big tech companies and really most startup companies and most of the money that's being poured into projects nowadays are all into these really cool tech concepts. And for us, it's all just like, a, well, what, what's the privacy implication of this? And it really sucks when security and privacy are kind of the bottleneck for a lot of these things. Um, because mm -hmm. I would, I probably wouldn't join it, but it would be a really cool experiment to see what a community online would look like with real identified people. Um, and this is obviously like a very opposite thing for what I would want for, from like a, from a privacy perspective, but theoretically, let's say it was not privacy invasive. Um, everything you posted was on your own dime, right? Like you, you post it, there's no data collection outside of what you post. Um, let's say this was like IRL verified. Let's say you have to set up, like I set up an office outside my house. People come here in person. I look at their ID I give them a YubiKey that gives them access to their account, that gives them a permanent name attached to their YubiKey. And that's the only way they can log into that account. They can't change their name. They can't change anything. It doesn't include an age. It just has a first and last name. And um, we can also hook it up with like mutual friends. You have to bring two friends along. So like <laughs> it's, it's a party thing. So like no matter what, you have some kind of like pressure, social pressure to like have to be a somewhat decent human being. It's dystopian. It's super dystopian. <laughs> like, I know it's dystopian. I just think it's an interesting thought experiment to see what that would look like. Um, and I think it just, it demonstrates just the bad side of anonymity on the internet, which overall I think is a net good. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, you moderate a lot of communities. You you help moderate our communities on the forum. Yes. And on Discord. Um, you also do stuff on privacy guides. What's it like? I have thoughts too because I, I also help moderate this, but what is the experience like moderating things from a moderator admin perspective? Because I don't think people normally get that perspective. They just join the communities and they're in the communities. Right. Um, it's it's definitely nice having a clear set of rules to follow. Um, if you're if you're able to point to like a reason that somebody has to be removed from a community, it's it's a lot easier to go that route. Um, it's um, I guess it's mostly just a matter of uh, having good moderators. <laughs> the moderators do take to handle all that stuff because because it is a it is a constant like job, basically. Yeah. It takes it takes a lot of time. And like what you said earlier, it's beneficial for both parties because I don't like banning people. I hate it. It's like one of my least favorite things is having to ban someone because I know they're upset and I know they just want to be a part of the community. 
unless they're like genuinely there to just cause problems, which mm-hmm. I don't think most bands are. Most bands are just people who like clearly do not understand the rules, but they want to try to be there in their own way. Um, and when you don't cite a rule, they're just like, that sucks. Like, I can't imagine not citing a rule when you ban someone because right. like, then they know like why they got banned. And if they go to other communities, they're going to be like, well, why'd you get banned? And they're like, they just banned me. And it's like, no, because you violated rule X when you did. Exactly. Why? This is exactly your Twitter situation. <laughs> this is my Twitter situation. Twitter did that to me. But they, well, they didn't give me the, what I consider the bare minimum of telling me why I was banned. Right. Um, right. Who knows? Maybe I really like to think because so many people have been getting suspended. I don't know if it's a mistake or an error. I like to think it's an error. And maybe they're going to fix it, but I'm not being optimistic. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me how everything went down and how someone else had the exact same issue and neither of us really knew what we did. Um, like, I went through all the rules and I'm like, none of these seem like what I did. I did say one thing where I... Because <laughs> Privacy tool, privacy, privacy Tools IO um, mm-hmm. listed NordVPN and all these affiliate <laughs> things and they delisted iVPN and Molvad and they're clearly going a complete money route. Right. Which is the only thing they're doing. And <laughs> I was tweeting about it. I'm like, hey, just so everyone knows, IVPN Molvad were delisted from Privacy Tools IO. I think I said word for word, I'll let you decide what that means for yourself or something like that. Like it was very like offhand. And um the the PTIO and I don't I never know his name. Um but the PTIO account got back and they're like I don't know. They were having some kind of discussions, but I pretty much responded with a thread. And on the last tweet, I said, you're you're going in the direction of the best VPN.coms and the other review sites on the Internet, and you will die with them. Um, that's the only tweet I said that I could see maybe getting me suspended because maybe they could interpret it as like a threat. But like they never cited a tweet. That tweet still stayed up. Normally, what Twitter does is they delete a tweet. Delete that tweet, yeah. Yes, and then they warn people, like, this tweet contains harmful information. They never did that with that tweet. That tweet was never specifically called out in any way. It's just the whole, my entire account had all the replies hidden. And then, boom, I was suspended a few days later. Yeah, I didn't see that tweet. That's really interesting. (laughs) But... But it is weird. It's it's really weird the way that yours went down because it's not like any other Twitter suspensions. Yeah, that, until that I saw the other people. Which is yeah. which is yeah, which I is exactly the same time frame, right? I mean, when was that guy banned? Yeah, pretty recent. It was just um, a, the last few the weeks last, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think okay. So going back to what you said about moderators, the moderators I think really are make it possible in real time communities, Discord, Matrix. We can't mm-hmm. be online all day reading through thousands of messages. That's just ridiculous. Um, and so, like, the moderators are what take, I think, a lot of of the they, – they are the real work behind these things. Um, and so, like, I'm always appreciative of the moderators we have. And it's cool how ever since we removed Matrix, our moderation has been considerably better. Like, yeah. there – this we have a we have internally we have the moderation chats for people listening. There's a general and a serious chat. The serious chat with Matrix probably like multiple times a day was like discussions. Now it's not uncommon for us to go like almost a week with no messages sent in serious just because there's like nothing to report on. 
and any bands are just instant bands that we don't even have to discuss or anything. It's been so much better since removing Matrix. Um, not that there aren't Discord issues, not that there aren't moderation issues on Discord, but it's been getting better. And that's actually a cool thing about our forum is that only Jonah and I have really been moderating our forum. And it's been like super easy to moderate because there's so many auto moderation um, things on the forum. That's exactly what I was just going to bring up as another thing. Um, I think the tool sets that are available to like monitor and manage your communities are huge. That's exactly the issue with Matrix. With Matrix, it wasn't a manpower issue. It was a, <laughs> it was a just very difficult to moderate technically because there were a lot of spam bots. The Federation kind of brings that sort of stuff um, inherently. But some platforms like Mastodon have better tools to deal with that than others. Um, and there's just not a lot of like moderation tools besides a single bot on, on Matrix side. Whereas Discord has a ton of like uh, different automations and stuff that you can do. And a lot of like account verification stuff on their end, which is of course the benefit of a centralized platform and kind of brings you back to that like having a verified identity argument earlier but of course yeah. there's privacy concerns there so you can never really <laughs> can never really win yeah exactly that's that's one thing that's nice about disc we don't do this but you can require the server to require a phone number which is in this day and age the closest thing you can get to verifying mm -hmm. an identity without uploading an id um we don't do that but even if you register with a vpn or anything on discord might still ask for a phone number that's not from us we only require an email um but you're totally right like moderation on matrix that's where the federation and the privacy and the anonymity of creating just unlimited matrix accounts like that and if you get blocked on a home server you can just host your own home server and then boom you're good to go mm -hmm. um it's it's pretty ridiculous i mean moderation on matrix pretty much requires you in a lot of ways to like partially break the federated model um it almost makes more sense in my opinion if to have that bot you were talking about on matrix just auto ban every home server outside of like the main five home servers be like if you're not on those home servers like we're not going to let you in because mm -hmm. at least those home servers generally have their own moderation like i know matrix.org does have some layer of moderation yeah they have pretty strict moderation rules from what i hear yeah i know um, mozilla does <laughs> <laughs> i think it i think it's very similar actually um because they're hosted by the same people. I think Matrix.org helps out with Mozilla servers a lot. Oh, okay. A throwback to when um, Mozilla blocked everyone in your room. <laughs> yeah, they banned our whole home server like <laughs> two years ago. That was something. <laughs> they banned like a hundred members at once for no reason. People were pretty upset about that. We had to we had to get in touch with them. Yeah. That was a while ago. Um, Time flies. I think. I think Matrix is still in the, it's obviously still in the early days of like being a communications platform. I mean, it reminds you of email like 10, 15 years ago where, where there were just like open email servers on the internet and you could like use them to send email, <laughs> relay email from them to anywhere you want That's, that were constantly used for spam. Um, I feel like there's probably a lot of Matrix home servers that were set up probably with open registration. Maybe the admin doesn't even know. And then these bots take advantage of that kind of thing to <laughs> create a bunch of accounts. I think there's there's some security and some anti-bot um, work that probably needs to go on. 
with Matrix for it to be for it to be a bit better better from a moderation perspective. Yeah. Well, how's moderation been um, over? Because I know you still have privacy guides going over there, and privacy yep. guides got a forum now. So, is your experience with privacy guides similar to ours on TechLore? Um, we've we've actually had a lot uh, a lot different of an experience on Matrix. Um, I think our Matrix community seems to be going a lot better. Um, it's probably because it's smaller. And I think uh, we don't we don't drive as many people to our matrix community, so it's it's a lot more people that like seek it out specifically who probably tend to be more uh, more technical, probably already on matrix. I don't think anyone is joining matrix just to interact with our community basically, whereas um, it was probably more of a draw for for the Techlore audience. Got it. Because Techlore was certainly a lot bigger. Yeah. No, we had. Well, it was hard to tell because there was there was also the bridge. I think that's an important thing to talk about too. The bridge because mm -hmm. we bridged Matrix and Discord, which did make moderation harder as well. But it was hard to tell. But I the Matrix numbers were always weird. We we had like twenty four thousand people in our room, and then they updated it because that wasn't right. And then it was like a few thousand, yeah. <laughs> and then it went to like ten thousand. I can never I never knew how many people were in our Matrix community. Yeah, Matrix does not have as clear like engagement tools that discord has like discord you can see all your stats and stuff in the form obviously you can see like how many users you have how many people are engaged but there's no there's no in insight into matrix i think the room count might like the member count might still be bugged <laughs> so interesting it's interesting because you and i know the new oil most other matrix communities seem to have been fine for moderation when I say fine, like they still have issues, but mm -hmm. we really dealt with a lot of issues on Matrix, like um, serious issues, like gore, um, minors being sent in the chat. That was a frequent thing. Like we dealt with so many issues on the Matrix side of things, and like since that the factors... tech war stuff, there yeah, there ahead. has been a lot of like moderation efforts going on in Matrix since like we left too. So there's that to keep in mind, like privacy guides and the new oil. And a bunch of other rooms are all part of like a shared ban list where like if somebody spams stuff like that in one room and gets banned by pretty much anyone in it, they get automatically banned in all the other rooms. So okay. like when that stuff gets spammed, we usually don't see it because they'll have been banned somewhere else. Um, that that existed when we were there, but I don't know if we took part in it. We might I was, not have been. I don't remember. I'm I, I'm in that room. I think to this day, actually, I, I think I'm still in that room. That's the like the community community room moderation effort yeah. or something. I think is what it's called now. Yeah, but I never. I don't know if we ever engage with it. I don't know. Maybe we did though, because I remember hooking up our bot to it. They asked me to add something to our bot so that our bot would like report our banned users. I'm not know. sure. Maybe yeah, I don't know, but. Either way, it's cool that you have that, and like, it's nice to hear that it's working well for other people. I hope that um, it continues to as the size increases as well, which I think the, is like the big question. I think not bridging probably helps as well. I think bridged rooms might be an attractive target to like, if you were banned on Discord, for example, it's harder to circumvent a Discord ban, but if you know that a room is bridged to Matrix, you might try and go there to spam your Discord server or whatever. That was a, that was a big dis I remember it's it's crazy because like we had matrix for so long and we really just yanked it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Overnight. And like I knew people were going to be upset. Like 
that was obviously a given when it happened, but um, it actually wasn't as upsetting as I expected it to be. People seemed to understand better than I than I expected, to be honest. Yeah. I think the most angry people were like, frankly, some of the, like, the other people um, that host rooms on Matrix. They seemed more upset than anyone else I know. And having the forum as like a a place to go to that wasn't Discord, I think helped a lot too, because our forum is very active now, which is which is great. And I think it has a lot more constructive conversations. <laughs> so much better. Oh my goodness. It's it's actually crazy how much better the forum is. <laughs> like, I love the forum. Because, like, it, it's just so yeah, much more too. relaxing. Um, everything is, like, nice, long-form discussions. It's all very nuanced. It's not the same discussion happening all day, every day. It's incredible. Um Frankly, I don't miss Matrix at all. Just like I don't miss Telegram. Like, man, that, oh, that's a throwback when we used to have a Telegram community. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Telegram. I hate Telegram. I have no issue saying that's a this is a personal opinion. I just hate <laughs> using Telegram. Like I open Telegram and I'm like, this is gross. I hate using it. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely used worse apps, but it's not it's not great. <laughs> and it just really I also hate Telegram. It really bothers me that their whole marketing is as a security and privacy tool it when it isn't be. yeah it's 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 the same as any other messenger it's actually worse than most other messengers yeah i mean and they're going use... in a weird direction yeah <laughs> someone left a comment on our old video like the old one that's like whatsapp versus signal versus telegram i need to do more videos like that because they're really fun but like <laughs> that video someone left a comment like within the last week of recording this and it's like this didn't age well, LOL. Signal removing SMS support, haha. And I'm like, did you not see like Telegram's having like NFT usernames now? Ooh, and really? Oh, <laughs> you didn't see that? No, oh, I, no. I have not been keeping so, up with Telegram. I gotta no, look into that. No, Telegram is now allowing you to like reserve your handle via some like NFT stuff. Um Ooh, as like some yeah. kind of revenue thing. Yeah, Telegram username auction marketplace. Apparently it's not. Uh, well, this article says it's not based on NFTs, but oh, it's blockchain based. So it actually is. <laughs> it's NFT like smart contracts. Uh, so so NFTs. <laughs> it's NFT like. It's not an NFT. It's, it's apparently not an NFT. You know Telegram has 700 million users? I did not. I did not know that either until just now. Here, Telegram has handed over user data to governments. <laughs> it's, according to a new report, Telegram has reportedly surrendered personal user data to authorities in Germany. It sounds like they might have handed over users' IP addresses and phone numbers to authorities. Hmm which they do. This is from their own privacy. This is why I hate Telegram. Telegram has their transparency report, <laughs> which is just a channel on Telegram. Like it's mm -hmm. an actual channel with no posts in it. <laughs> so their transparency report is we haven't handed over user data is what they're trying to tell you. Yet in their own privacy policy, their official site also says, quote, never disclosed a byte of data to third parties, including governments. But under their own privacy policy, Telegram admits to releasing users' IP addresses and phone numbers to authorities if presented with a warrant on terrorist-based charges. And then 
you group this up with Telegram not using end-to-end -end encryption groups. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's not good. We should not use this. Um, right. I, I mean, even one-to-one -one messages, unless you by default. It. By yes, default, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then so... you can't use that on desktop. I think it's it's so bad. <laughs> I, can, I can keep going on about how bad Telegram. Is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 end it there. Um, before this is just a Telegram, uh, bashing. Telegram hate video. Let's go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Oh, yeah, we're going to get, like, angry. People really love Telegram, though. That's that's one thing no. I'm not going to understand. Um, I mean, there's a lot of Telegram users, apparently. Yeah. 700 million, some of them have got to like it, I assume. Yeah, true. Um, that actually remind, that reminds me of, um, like, the, the loyal <laughs> diehard fans. This reminds me of the Vival Vivaldi <laughs> incident. <laughs> um, so uh, we just posted that video... Um, the ditch chrome video and we put in vivaldi's an honorable mention for those listening and i looked at the stats for the video and i saw that um a good percentage of the viewers of the video came from like a vivaldi url and i'm like oh did they put our video on their website or something and so like i typed in the domain and i like went through their communities and eventually i found a post um, linking to our video and I'm like oh so this is where all the traffic is coming from and it's a post from a Vivaldi team member like a Vivaldi an official Vivaldi team member an employee for Vivaldi posted our video and said Vivaldi got an honorable mention but seems like the guy isn't fully sold on Vivaldi just yet we'd appreciate it if you could jump in the comment section and tell him and his viewers why you think Vivaldi is the best browser thanks <laughs> and then people like left comments and they link to their comments down below i'm like that's so ridiculous <laughs> why do they link to their comments do they get a prize in the Vivaldi community for <laughs> this person said i added my comment please upvote for great success so it's so they can like upvote them oh, okay. and boost them up upvote each other and it's funny because someone i linked this on our discord and someone in our discord community went to the comment they left and responded to the comment saying, you should disclose that you're a moderator of the Vivaldi forums <laughs> and were sent here by a Vivaldi team member. <laughs> yeah. That's a strange, uh, strange situation to be in. Usually, yeah. uh, like, brigading communities is not looked well upon, but... <laughs> yeah. You know what is looked well upon? Open sourcing your browser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh <laughs> uh, yes we were just discussing that yeah i don't know i don't know about vivaldi i mean some of the stuff they do seems cool but some of their decisions are just uh strange to me well i just it's not a privacy focused browser yeah i mean it has cer certain features but like i don't see it as any more privacy focused than opera Mm -hmm. like it is more privacy i'm not comparing the two directly like that i'm just saying like i think vivaldi would just do better to just be like we're a very customizable chrome unless they actually wanted to commit to the privacy aspect of things which is like right. open source your browser yeah see like i'm going on their home page right now customization options is the first thing they mention mm -hmm. better performance productivity and privacy so privacy is like not their main selling point, but it's one of them. So, like, I think it makes sense in a video that we're telling people about 
private alternatives to Chrome for them to be an honorable mention. <laughs> like, yeah. even by their own branding standards. <laughs> and if we go to privacytests.org, Vivaldi looks like trash compared to everything else. Does it really? Yeah. They have, Vivaldi is closest to stock vanilla Chrome than anything else on here. That's really interesting. Probably because it mostly is. Yeah. Um, Just without, like, Google data collection for very much right. of it. I mean, if, if your bar for being a privacy browser is not sending all of your data to the browser developer, I guess uh, I guess that's fine. But I think, like, if you really want to be a privacy browser and, uh, and advertise yourself as such, like, there's... There's actual standards that you should probably consider meeting. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, we got a little off topic there. Um, yeah. <laughs> there back to content mod. So I'm really, I was really excited when we were talking about our moderation. I'm overall happy the Twitter thing happened because I've always wanted. We've always, I, I've always had this long-term vision of bringing tech lore into more platforms where we can't easily be removed. Not because I fear people are all, we've, I've actually been interviewed about this and I've been asked, don't you fear that YouTube is going to like shadow ban your channel? And it's like, I haven't seen any real evidence to show YouTube genuinely shadow bans a channel. Everyone who yeah. complains about YouTube censoring them, I'm just like, your content is like not performing well <laughs> like that's all that's happening here and i can tell you why your content's probably not doing well like if you're making I i'm not going to use examples because people are going to know then who i'm talking about but like there's normally a very good way to tell why a video isn't performing well and you have to go into the youtube analytics to figure out what that is the reality is that like the youtube algorithm more or less is supposed to follow the audience i know you mm -hmm. say that mr b says that a lot of people say that and so like I haven't found any reason for us to think we're going to be removed from YouTube, but I also never thought we would be removed from Twitter. So I still like to have those backups in place because things always change. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone listening today. You never know what might happen to your accounts. So that's why we cross post to Odyssey and PeerTube. So the videos are taken care of. Twitter gets cross posted, cross -posted to Mastodon. That's mostly taken care of. The problem then is still like, well, if YouTube gets removed, we lose access to almost 200,000 people. Mm -hmm. um and so that's why we wanted i always wanted a newsletter and i always wanted a blog and i always wanted like a way to post news to people not like day-to-day -day news but like once a month some big event happens and i want to cover it in some kind of like written news format and i also wanted a place to be able to just tell people like hey i got banned from twitter because the only way we have to do that right now is youtube if we don't post it on youtube we effectively cut out a majority of our audience it has to be done through YouTube. And so that's why, like, when I talked with you, it was amazing that we could bring all these things together into Dispatch. Because Tech Lord Dispatch is, like, everything I wanted in one place. And it's so freaking cool to see it happen. So I'm very excited for that overall because it's been a great journey to see how, like, one bad thing happening can easily be turned into a good thing in my eyes. Um, so I hope that that's a success and I hope that people like that because now it's pretty much our own platform. Like, I guess we could be removed from um substack yeah but they have a pretty good history of not removing people's accounts on substack so subscribe to our uh substack basically yeah is the is the conclusion to this video join our forum because we own our forum and it's all open source join our substack because we own it 
though it is not open source. <laughs> um, we, if there was an easy way for us to do it, we would have done it. But I think balancing like the user experience with our time and energy and cost and like overall privacy was that was where we landed on Substack. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else? I thought that comes to mind. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate your time today and I appreciate everyone who's listening. Um, again, join our stuff because I think it's really cool. And it also enables us to more independently reach you because with Substack, it's an email. Everyone has an email. If Even if Substack did remove us, theoretically, we can like still email people through like a different platform because we can export our newsletter and we can take it somewhere else. So um, no matter what, when you subscribe to something like that, people complain about YouTube not notifying them about things. People complain about um, not wanting to join a closed platform like Discord. People complain about not having a, a, an easy place to access what we're doing. And that's where it's at. So I hope that that like fulfills a lot of the complaints that people have had in the past about like how we how scattered everything is on our ends. Cause like you have to join YouTube, Twitter and all this stuff like now. But um, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you next week, maybe the week after for Tech Lord Talks 5. Um, normally we're like, uh, it's not a good enough topic. And then we kind of like, yeah, we'll wait for a good topic to come up. And so um, thank you for tuning in. Also, oh, I forgot, big announcement, Tech Lord Dispatch. This is a podcast now. Oh yeah. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. And this it's on the Substack. So since you're going there anyway to sign up, right? You can subscribe there yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And so you can listen to these as a podcast audio format. Substack tries to paywall the RSS feed for whatever reason. So I actually went out of my way to copy and paste that into each episode. So if you go and click on any episode, you'll find an RSS link and import that into your favorite podcast client. You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you, Jonah. Thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you all next time.